Hi. We're back. It's me, Amanda. And I'm Emma. <laughs> okay. It lagged for me on that end. I hope it doesn't show uh, up. Same, 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 same. But hey guys, we're Readish Podcast. I think I said it right this time. I know this yes. was a problem last episode. No, you did. Did I say it right, Emma? Yes, you did. Okay. Period. You're the one who came <laughs> up with the name, so. Literally, I came up with a name and I can't even say it. I spelt it out and I was like, this is nice. But then she forgot she is illiterate. <laughs> um, so guys, this episode I'm super excited about. We are doing Divergent by Veronica Ross. I am so, so excited. excited. Literally, this book I read the first time, right? My sister read it and my mom was going through this thing where she had to read the books that we were reading. And <laughs> so, so weird. she listened to the audiobook. And I was, like, in the room. And I don't think I was supposed to be in the room. But, like, the point in being is that I read it, like, in secret. And I read it. I listened to the audiobook. I listened to the audiobook again. It was, like, nostalgia for me. I was like, oh, my God, I remember her voice. (laughs) I was nine. And um, I was allowed to read this before I read um, Percy Jackson, which is weird because Percy Jackson is literally aimed for children. Yeah, that is really weird. And this is for teenagers. Some stuff happened, and I was here, like... This is why I have problems. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I, like, didn't read this until I was 14. Like, I didn't read Divergent in, like, the series until I was freshman year of high school, which is weird. Because, yeah, now I'm in college, and it's double weird because I just read a book that is meant for, like, middle schoolers. So, uh uh-huh, very fun. (laughs) The movie came out in 2014, And I just have to say, one of my favorite adaptations of book to movie, because it's just so gorgeous. The movie visually is beautiful. I don't know about you, Emma. I think it is, but it is very, like, I think 90% of the budget went towards, like, the, the aesthetics and, like, the vibes of the, of the city, which is so nice. And it looks so nice, but then I remember how cringy it all is. And then I pass away. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, just a little background information. Divergent is about a young 16-year-old named Triss who turns 16, and in the world she's in, it's, like, after a great war, and when you turn 16, you decide to switch factions, what we'll get into. And so, yeah, it's about her choice, switching factions, and then the problems, the struggles that she goes through after she switches factions. So, um, this book is written, created, I would say, by Veronica Roth, who is, she's quite young, actually. She's she, 32 yeah. now. She was, like, really, like, I... She was, like, in college when she wrote the book yeah. or something. And it came out in 2010, and then in 2011, she was approached with the possibility of turning into a movie, which is incredibly successful. Like, authors spend years yeah trying and to I, get she was like turned into a movie i mean i think i think the reason for that though is because like at the time when it when it was really popular like when the movie came out i think is when it like really started to take off like that whole like dystopian like teen perfect little skinny white girl you know i'm done has a hard time and then like <laughs> everyone was into that you know what i mean like has I, don't, a hard I don't know time? yeah no like katniss everdeen and like, yeah, it was right when because Hunger, like Hunger Games, Games you guys remember, came Maze out two thousand twelve. Yeah, Hunger Maze Games, Runner Maze came Runner, out in like two thousand fifteen. Was it? 
I think so. But, like, it was around that Either time Either way, this where, was, like, like, the peak of being a teen, and I wasn't a teen yet. But I was, I was a part. I was, like, in the background going, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, um, Veronica Roth, she was born August 19th, 1998, in New York. Love that. But she was raised in Illinois. And the book is set, like, in Chicago, but after, like, a huge war. So it's kind of, like, you know, like, just after that. Um... So, she actually is a child of divorce, if that matters to anyone. I mean, that's pretty cool. She's successful. You know, you can yeah. do it. Um, yeah, and pretty much she became a Christian by attending a Bible study in her high school years. So, that means when she wrote the book, she was a Christian. Which I think is a really interesting mindset, Emma, when you're, like, going into the book. Because if you have that mindset, you can start pinpointing the ways the belief is put into the book. Yeah. For example... Tris is, like, terrified of being intimate with a male. Yeah. So, and, like, she is very a prude type thing. Mm-hmm. So there's actually, like, this book is considered to be a Christian, I'm gonna probably say it wrong, it's a Christian allegory, and then specifically Christian um, apocalypticism, I believe it's called. Yeah. So apocalypticism occurs when (laughs) the doctrine states that a religious goals will only be truly realized at the end of the world. Then Christian apocalypticism refers to um, the Christian God, Jesus, returning (laughs) with the rapture, getting his followers, going to heaven, and then leaving the godless to the Antichrist, then returning for the faithful. But that is not until several years have passed and you know, a lot of struggles happen. So people can say that this whole way the faction system is set up is, like, after the rapture. They're, like, the f- godless, you know? Yeah. And then here's where the factions are, like, coming in. Like, uh, abnegation is considered the good Christians. You know, they're very selfless. They're they're dull, in a sense. They're, like, they're, their whole point is to not be seen but to live a good life, you know? Mm-hmm. Erudite is the liberal intellectual elitist that Christians fear, which I think is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, I'm like, okay, I I can see it, but I can't. Yeah, same. And then the dauntless are, like, war, they're a neutral force. Mm-hmm. And then Divergent begins with Christian dominionism, I believe it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. And we will get into that when we get into the summary. But I think that's just like a really interesting way to go through with it because like i said you can see it now No, i like would not have guessed at all like i didn't know that um but once it's like a fact that once you know you can start pinning it into places yeah yeah and it also like now just thinking about it and like having you describe or like explain all the christian themes in it gives me very much like caste system vibes which like if you know what a caste system is um it's like um a societal system in which, like, people... Like, rank, yeah. Yeah, rank. Rank in society. And, like, people that are, low, like, in each level. So, like, you have, like, rich and, like, famous and whatever. And then you have, like... Like, it gives me a lot of medieval vibes, honestly. But, like, in the caste system, people that are born into their social standing, like, stay there their mm-hmm. entire life. And, like, that sort of... yeah reminds me of this and i think that's really interesting because i would not have thought that like yeah that also some people say that the point of divergent is to teach you as a christian that the catholics are bad i read an article on that 
And I was like, I didn't really see it. But I was like, oh, I can say how people would see that was a point. But, like, for me personally, it didn't, like, hit home. I'm like, if she wrote it like that, that's a little weird. Because, I mean, why bash another person's belief? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's weird. I'm like, mm, that's weird. That's not nice. <laughs> that's not very Christian-like. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Emma, do we want to get into some of the summary? Yes. Um... Right now? Do you want to start it off, or do you want me to start it off? doesn't matter to me. Why don't you take the part up until she chooses, and then I can take the rest? All right. So, as we've decided. <laughs> so, it starts following... Um, the story follows a young 16-year-old, just turned 16. Her name is Beatrice Pryor. She comes from um, her parents. I forgot the name. Of her parents. It's Mr. and Mrs. Pryor, we're going to say. And her brother is Caleb. So the chapter, the book completely opens up, the first chapter, with Tris is getting her hair cut by her mother. Her mother cuts her hair in the last week of every three months, and she's only allowed to look in the mirror at this time. So she's part of the faction Abnegation. There are five factions, but the faction that she is a part of is Abnegation. This faction values the virtues of selflessness. The factions are the dauntless. The virtue is courage. Abnegation is selfness, selfishness. Selflessness, not selfishness. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> the candor, vir- like, value honesty. And amity values kindness. And erudite, as we mentioned before, values intelligence. And they're supposed to be the liberal intellectual elitists that we're meant to fear. <laughs> And the factions were created after the Great Peace by the founders. There was a huge war, and the remaining survivors decided that, um, like, parts of the reason why the world was at war was that, like, the candor, the founders of candor were like, oh, we weren't honest. So then they created candor, and then Amity was like, we needed to be more kind. They created Amity, and so on and so forth. So they created it so in order that they would live in harmony and everyone would have a place. So if you wanted to be honest, you can go to the Candor. And so they, the Candor are actually the most trustworthy, in a sense, for the justice system because they are so honest. So they take care of, like, court systems. If someone commits a crime, they're most likely going to be your, like, lawyer and or judge. The Erudite are smart, so they run high intelligence works like science, medicine, anything like research, things like that. Um, I also think um, unrelated or kind of related. But yeah. I think that most of the Erudite also are like teachers so it's very biased but yeah 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 i think you're right i think you're right amity is kind but for some reason because of that they take care of agriculture <laughs> and i think i think it's because they're like hippies loki like that's that's how yeah, they're portrayed so they're like kind yeah. of hippies yeah and um the dauntless work along the great wall they're like the protectors of the community they're kind of like cops they value courage um the abnegation are selfless, so they are trusted to run the government because, therefore, they're incorruptible because they're so selfless. Um, what's really cool about the factions is that they all have their own color scheme, which is, like, my favorite. It is so visually pleasing in the movie, in your head, honestly. The abnegation, since they are, like, self- selfless, they don't like vanity, mm-hmm. hence why she can only look in the mirror for, like, a few couple of seconds when she's cutting her hair. Um, they are dressed in gray most of the time. The Dauntless are always black or red, um, or red mixed in with black. And then the Erudite are 
dressed in blue. They must have an article of blue clothing on them at all times, they mention in the book. Amity is kind. They're, like, hippie. They're, like, orange and yellow. And it's, like, these beautiful colors. Honestly, I'm not typically an orange and yellow fan, but the way that they put the outfits together in the movie, I am jealous. It's a lot of, like, warm jewel tones and, like, so, like, fall colors. And it's so, like, I love how they do it in the movie because, like, in the movie, it is so, at least how I imagined it in the books, like, it's so accurate. Like, everything that the erudite mm-hmm. wears is crisp and clean and looks very put together Exactly, and, and the reason why the erudite choose blue is because it's supposed to release endorphins of calm and creates clear- clarity in the mind so that they can perform more efficiently. Dauntless wear black because, I mean, black's cool. Yeah. Abnegation wear gray to be, like seen not seen amity wear yellow because it's supposed to like when you see it it creates happiness in your mind or something yeah um and then candor see sees life should be black and white and the truth is black and white so they wear black and white (laughs) yeah and i think like i love seeing the costume the costumers like design in the movies like i loved seeing it it, they all looked very distinct, but also very cohesive, and so I loved seeing how it's different, like, honestly. the erudite, candor, dauntless, amity, and abnegation outfits were, because they're very different, but then they also, like, look so good together. I love it so much. Exactly. Exactly. So, Beatrice, at the time, feels like an outsider in her faction. She feels like she's not as selfless as the rest, and she's always been a little drawn to the Dauntless. She describes um, her being a young girl and witnessing them jumping off the train or just running around and, like, I guess abnegation aren't allowed to run. I don't know. Like, yeah. so she's... It's yeah, seen as like, self-indulgent, I guess, which is so dumb. Like, yeah. They need to, like, take their time with everything. And it's just, like, she just envies her brother, Caleb, because he is the perfect child, in a sense. Like, if you are in a family and you feel like you're the outsider and you feel like your older sibling is much better than you, this is the epitome of that. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, Caleb is a selfless young man. He gets things done. He's always like, let me help you with that. And in the movie, I think they portray that really well visually. Because, like, we're not exactly in, like, Triss's mind at the time in the movie, like, because, you know, it's not the book. And I feel like they do work really hard in the beginning to show Caleb as selfless as she thinks of him. Yeah, and then also um, I think so... I think what's really I think what's really good in the movie is that they like they show how different Caleb and Beatrice are. Like but then also I think what's really good and I wish they would have talked about it more in the movie is how Caleb like not he doesn't like criticize Beatrice, but he he does a lot of like fathering like he he acts like yeah, a father he parents her yeah it's parentification it, like, yeah yeah and it's like i wish they would have touched on that more in the movie because he like lectures her on everything that she's not but doing they do right. they do because when the woman drops her bag when she comes back from the grocery store he's like let me help you with that and then he's like beatrice why don't you get her other bags yeah and but that he was... criticizes her for not thinking about that in the first place so that's the one scene but in yeah. the movie in the book you're right there's several times where yeah. he's like hey you I, I like this. this like i like this especially in the movie or in the book where they're sitting at the dinner table and beatrice like asks one question like hey why are they doing this and caleb was like yo shut up like you're crazy <laughs> yeah stop <laughs> he does he does tell her to like he's like beatrice <laughs> in the movie yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah um, um, 
back to what I was saying. Oh, okay. So it opens up and it's the day of the test. So when you're 16, you are, every citizen is required to take a test. It's like an aptitude test. It's basically a series of scenarios will be presented to you in your mind. And based on your choices, there will be your obligation, your candor, so on and so forth of the five factions. So the whole time we meet her, she's stressing that like it will not show her abnegation and that she will have to leave her family. And she, if you leave your family, you like must abandon them. It's pretty much like your faction is your family, hence the saying, they say faction over blood a lot. Mm-hmm. And the movie, I feel like they portray the, the thing more less than the more so than the book but yeah so like faction over blood is like a very firm thing that they stand by it's like the whole basis of their community that it's like you must contribute to your faction and not care about your family and so she thinks that her brother caleb will choose abnegation and when she gets to school she must take the test at noon so it's like a half day and so they're kind of like in the cafeteria waiting she's with the rest of her sitting with the rest of her faction you're not allowed to like mix factions and so when it is her turn to take that is so like weird and i'm glad that they like i'm glad that veronica roth like made this very like like it's very um like segregated and i think that that's really interesting i think it's a really interesting aspect to add and i'm glad i'm like i think it's really cool that it's talked about in like a negative way because i feel like yeah i feel like she uh, hates the fact that they're segregated and that she wants to Simu- it seems like uh, Tris wants to know the other factions, specifically yeah. the Dauntless. I think it's, I think it's really but, like cool. remain where she's comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So when it is her turn to take the test, her test administrator introduces herself as Tori, an older member of the Dauntless. So typically, abnegation runs the aptitude test, but someone from your faction is not allowed to run your aptitude test. So they typically have like one erudite or dauntless person in the book she says that this year there's one erudite and one dauntless and one candor there to help with the thing and the rest are abnegation um she tori explains that she'll be fine she will need to drink a liquid and the test will begin so tris takes the liquid and lays back in a chair that's there it's kind of in the movie it looks like a dentist chair and i kind of imagine it like that yeah (laughs) because i'm like it would be really uncomfortable it's like an office chair or like yeah (laughs) Like, that would be weird. Mm-hmm. So, Tori, I mean, not Tori, Tori is watching, actually, Tori is watching her test. So, she's not in it, but she can see what's happening in the test. So, Tris sees herself in the school cafeteria. She sees a table with cheese on one side and a knife on the other. Someone is pressuring her to choose in between the cheese and the knife. She refuses and she questions. She's like, why should I do this? And the person says, choose before you regret it. The scene shifts, and there's a big dog growling at her. She turns around to pick up the knife or the cheese, and she realizes that's not an option anymore. So she begins to panic, but kind of remains calm inside her head, remembering that dogs can smell fear. And she remembers what is... She's trying to think what is a sign of submission instead of, like, you know, force and, like, I will beat you up, dog. So then she gets on her knees. The dog comes up to her, licks her face, and it, like, seemingly turns into, like, a puppy, I would say. And then a small child appears and attempts to pet the dog. The dog immediately runs after her, but then Tris jumps on the dog in attempt to save the child. When she jumps on the dog, she falls to the floor. It shifts, and her feet land on inside a bus. The bus is like, there's a man with scars sitting to her side. She's like standing up, holding on the railing. She sees that he is reading a newspaper. On the newspaper, it says uh, this murderer 
something about a murderer. I can't remember exactly what it says. Um, and then her, the man asks her if she knows, knows who the murderer is. She thinks the face looks familiar, but then she sticks to her gut as she looks at the man and decides to tell him that she does not know who the murderer is. He tells her that if she, she answers yes, that she knows who it is, that she will be able to save his life. And he begs her to admit that she knows the man. She refuses and says, continuously saying that she does not know the man. Then she wakes up and Tori is looking confused at her and a bit frightened. Tori explains to her that her test results were inconclusive, meaning the test did not work on her. She explains that choosing the cheese would have given her a different route and would have made her amity. Choosing the knife would have made her dauntless. Questioning why and refusing to choose either or would have made her candor. The submission with the dog made her erudite because it was intelligence deduction, but jumping on the dog made her both abnegation and dauntless because she was selfless and courageous to do so. The bus scene also ruled out candor, but questioned abnegation for the fact that she was not honest and the fact that she was selfish. She did not was not selfless. So when the man told her that it would save him, she still was selfish and did not say the truth. So for certain, Tori tells her that she is not Amity nor Candor, but then that rules that she is both, she was all three of erudite, abnegation, and dauntless. Tori tells Triss that this makes her divergent, meaning that she is very dangerous. She tells her that she cannot tell anyone and she has to leave immediately. And she has, her story has to match hers with Tori, that Tori said she will answer the test manually. She will tell everyone that her result was abnegation and that her, their story is that the liquid she drank made her sick and she sent her home, made, let her finish the test, but sent her home. Tori walks home. She ponders her choices. She's very confused. I mean, Tris, not Tori. (laughs) Just walks home. She's, like, very confused because the test was supposed to help her. She was supposed to get some reassurance. But now she feels like she doesn't know what she's going to do. She's scared because she doesn't know what's wrong with her. Being divergent is confusing to her. No one explained it that well to her. So, at dinner, her father is one of... We we understand that her father is one of the government heads. He tells the family that Janine, the sole lead of Erudite, which is kind of unusual because each of the factions apparently seemingly have, like, two people helping out in the lead or several heads of the faction. Yeah. Like, for example, Abnegation is Trista's father and Marcus Eaton. Actually, no, in Mar- the, on the council, there's, like, several. There's, like, four or five. There's several. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, apparently the final decision is Marcus Eaton, but there's still, like, five people. Yeah. And so, it, so like, we, we understand that it's very odd that Janine Matthews is, like, this, like, the only head of Erudite. And it's supposedly yeah. because she's, like, the smartest and, like, the biggest brained. Yeah. She apparently has the highest IQ, and that's how they determine the head mm-hmm. of Erudite. Yeah. So, pub- so Janine published an article questioning and attacking Marcus, Marcus who's the head of the government, character he's kind of like the president but not really yeah (laughs) accusing him of abusing his son tobias causing him to join the dauntless the direct opposite of abnegation so dauntless are kind of like violent and resort to violence abnegation don't so that's why they're considered the direct opposite so they also explain at this point at least tris explains in her head that it's quite a big deal that she left like no that like what's his name Tobias left because it's not natural. Typically yeah, children they, who grew up also, in abnegation stay in abnegation. Yeah, and then they, they also so like selfless. it's seen it's seen as like a 
like a very like no no thing to do, which like sounds yeah, stupid, it's like but like it's true, yeah. And like, and like, uh, they they call it like defecting, which like really puts an yeah, emphasis uh, an yeah. emphasis on like how bad they see it. Yeah. So the next day after dinner is the choosing ceremony. She and her family and the other abnegation walk to the bus station and ride to the area where the ceremony will happen. They arrive and they take the stairs instead of the elevator 25 floors up. Factions are separated by members and the 16-year-olds sit by last name order. It is explained that every year they switch the order and sometimes start by Z and sometimes start by A. So like it's like alphabetical order, but like it depends. So this year they're starting by Z all the way to A. So if your last name starts with an A, you will go last. <laughs> Which is so... I would stress out and have a heart yeah. attack if I had to go last. So they also explain that every so often, like every couple of years, um, the factions take turn running the choosing ceremony. This year's abnegation's turn. Marcus explains how choosing a faction is important and how the factions came to be, stating that it's faction before blood you have to make a choice for yourself don't think of your family and like basically you're contributing to society it's kind of like um you know uncle sam saying that like we pick you yeah (laughs) for the military yeah yeah it's kind of like that type thing um on stage there are five bowls he explained for one for each faction hot coals for donkless clear water for erudite gray stones for abnegation glass for candor and soil for amity each 16-year-old will come up, take a knife that is handed to them by Marcus, cut into their hand, and let blood droplets fall over to the bowl they choose. I have to say, this is quite a way. That's like... This is dramatic. This is theatrical. Whoever came up to this was like, we are going to make this dramatic as heck, make it gasping, we're going to make everyone feel some pain, not only emotional, but physical pain. <laughs> Masochism make with more steps. <laughs> They're like, leaving families, but make it sassy. <laughs> So, this is, honestly, again, this is a great metaphor for saying that faction before blood. Because you are literally pouring your blood on the faction you choose. Yeah. And it's, again, the faction goes right on top, like, it's crazy. We love to see the symbolism. We love to see the symbolism. So, Caleb is older than her, but they're both 16, which is, like, I think she explains why, but it's, they're just, like, nine months apart, pretty much. Nine months, six Mm -hmm. weeks. Nine months and six weeks, I think she says. So, um, it's Caleb's turn, and he squeezes Beatrice's hand, and he goes onto the stage, he takes a knife from Marcus, and he chooses Erudite, which is a huge shock, because Erudite and Abnegation are currently feuding. Everyone is, like, shocked. Um, Many guests. His father is, like... People are crying. <gasps> people are... It's always, like... <gasps> literally. <laughs> hand over mouth. Literally. <laughs> um... So, it's, like, a huge slap, especially since their dad is, you know, part of the government. He's pretty much going to the faction that's stating that their dad is bad, you know? Yeah. Um, then Triss is stunned. She thinks that her brother, she would have thought that her brother would have stayed in the faction, which makes sense because he was so selfish. But if he wasn't abnegation as much as she thought he was, what makes her think that she is, considering she is so different from him? Which I think is an excellent point for her to take. So... It's soon, it's her turn. Marcus calls her, he gives her the knife, and she's still kind of debating it a little bit in her head. She cuts into her hand, and she hovers over the abnegation gray stones, thinking of her parents, 
but then quickly shifts her hand and is shocked by her, her own decision to choose Dauntless. She goes to sit with the rest of the Dauntless initiates. When the ceremony's over, her new faction take off running towards the stairs, which she thinks is, like, kind of funny because, you know, she left a faction going in for the stairs and left going down the stairs. And they start running off towards the moving trains. Um, do you want to pick up when she, after she meets Christina? Uh, sure. So, are, are you talking right. about, like, after they're on the train and stuff? Yeah, I'll just finish the whole train scene, and then when they get there and they meet Eric. Yeah, that's um, fine, that's fine. You can start from there. So, she starts noticing that they start jumping onto the moving cars, and she does the same. When she jumps, she's kind of, like, slipping, and she's pulled in by a dark-skinned girl who we meet and find out she is Christina. Christina introduces herself and her friend, um, Albert, I mean. Albert, and she... We kind of meet Peter also. He's kind of annoying. We don't like Peter. <laughs> Peter's the worst. And we kind of meet Molly, Drew, all the other people. Edward, Myra, I think her name is. Yeah. And Will. When the train arrives at their destination, it doesn't slow down. And she notices that the Dauntless are jumping off. Her and Christina decide that they will jump off at the same time. They grab each other's hands and jump off. When she sees a girl, when she lands, she sees a girl named Rita hysterically crying as someone who is perceived she assumes is her boyfriend, is holding her back. When she realizes what happened, she notices that her sister, Rita's sister, fell and died. She did not make it off of the train. So there's already one initiate who is dead. Which is, then like, she meets spooky, and, like, I would be like, yo, I'm out of here. I'd be like, this this is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then she sees Eric. I think Max is there, but I'm not sure. Yeah, Max is the one who's, like, giving most of the um, speech, I guess. Okay, yeah, so go yeah. ahead. Okay, so then, um, Max and Eric are kind of, like, standing on this ledge. Uh, Max is described in the book as, like, he's, it looks like he's, like, so he's on this ledge, um, and directly behind it is, like, this huge cavern, and so, like, everyone is, like, stressed out because he's walking on it, like, no biggie, like, he's just chilling, like, this is, like, his daily festivities. Like, this is just what he does. Um, he basically explains that, like, this, like, this jumping off the train, getting here and stuff was the start of initiation. Um, and now they basically need someone to jump off the ledge into this giant hole um, in this, like, parking garage, I think it is. And it, like, goes so deep that, like, you can't see the bottom. So, very spooky. I'm um, not afraid of heights, but I feel like... Neither am I. I don't know. I would. Probably I don't know do if it. I would do it first. I feel like I could do it after another person did it, but uh, they don't want us to die. Right? I would probably do it first because I'm quirky. <laughs> the goal is to test this out. True. So, so then I think I would might do it. I would. I think I would be down. It seems like fun, but like my stomach would probably <laughs> go mental anyway. So basically, Max is like, "Hey, besties, jump in this hole," and then everyone's like, "Okay, you're just gonna not explain." And he's like, "Yes, I'm not gonna explain. Jump in the hole, bestie." Don't be shy. Jump in the hole. And then no one... My mom always says, if your friend jumps off a cliff, will you jump with them? This is the definition of, yes, I will jump with them. (laughs) Same. In fact, I will jump first. (laughs) So then no one volunteers because everyone is... And this this includes, like, Dauntless Born. So, like, even the Dauntless Born are like, yo, this is saucy. I don't like this. Kind of spooky. Big hole in the ground. Don't know what's at the bottom. So no one volunteers to jump. Um, Triss is like... I guess I'll do it because I'm dauntless now. So she, like, 
takes off her, I guess, like, cardigan jacket thing. And, like, she she remarks that, like, it's the most skin anyone's ever seen from her because she's just wearing a t-shirt underneath, which I think is very interesting. Um, lot Show of, some skin, A girl. lot of symbolism in there. Um, so then... Lot of symbolism that we won't cover. <laughs> so then, basically, she jumps into the whole... She's quirky and different and, and not like other she's girls. Literally. Um, she jumps down. She, like, falls into this, like, big net that, like, envelops her, I guess. Um, and she's, like, bouncing around in there. And then Four, who's, like, this big, scary 18-year-old man with dark hair. He's 19, I think. Oh, that's weird then, because that's, like, three years older. Kind of sus, but anyway. Um, so... Eric is 19, too, because they're from... The oh, my gosh, class. you're right. You're so right. Which is... I, did, I don't... He's always, like, 30 in my mind. Anyway. Eric is... I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me just say this real quick. In the movie, <laughs> you're either for Eric or you're for four. That's if true. that makes sense. And for me, I was just built different, too. I was like, I want both. <laughs> uh, I hate it. So then, um, this, like, boy, because he's a boy, like, low-key... He's like a child, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, a little bit predatory, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, at he's all. Like, mm, we're not going to talk about this. I don't want to think about it. So then she, like, helps um, Tris, like, out, or Beatrice out of the net. And he's like, did you get pushed or something? Did you? Did someone push you? And she's like. <laughs> so romantic. She's like, no, I'm sexy and hot and amazing. I jumped. And then he's I'm like, blonde and skinny. I did it myself. <laughs> oh, so then, so then he's like, skinny oh, legend. True. So then he's like, oh, she's built different. I'm in love already. Love at first sight. <laughs> um. Anyway, so then he like helps her out. And is like, what's your name? And she's like, Bleh. and then he's like, pick a pick a. Are you not happy with that one? Because if you aren't, pick a new one, and you only get one chance. I love his this voice <laughs> you're making. And then she's like. So macho. It's Tris, which is easily the worst name that you could have chosen. It's so boring and ugly, and I hate it. But he chose four. Yeah, but he's so like who is he? He's to like talk? cool and mysterious and hot and sexy. She's just like chicken. Isn't he described chicken -like, as like chicken like and girl? Tall? Yeah, but he's also like buff <laughs> and cool. So um, so then I'm she okay, but her name is Beatrice, and she chooses Tris. Ugh, it's so ugly. She had it tough either way. She didn't have a lot to work with That's either true. way. That is true. I will give her that. So then anyway, um, they all, like, everyone jumps down after, um, after Triss, and Lauren, who's, like, quirky, quirky little Dauntless born, we don't really care about her, she's never mentioned ever again, um, she basically- She is mentioned. Yeah, like, once. A couple of times, I think. Yeah, but she's- She's only like, yeah, four. I know that guy. And then like, that's like the only time she's really mentioned. No, they they go inside her her fear landscape. I thought you were gonna say layer, and I was like, period. <laughs> Actually, oh, you're right. You're so Lauren is the super villain of the whole. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Lauren True. takes over the world in the end. Okay, I gotta speed round this because we're gonna be running out of time. So anyway, Air Lauren is like, yo, Dauntless born with me. Uh, transfers with four because four is epic and cool. So then they all go with four. I'd be so excited to go with four. <laughs> Stop, I hate it. So then um, they plug walk in, and four is like, I'm going to give you a little tour, a little tour ski of the the AO, the, the area of operation, the vibes, okay? So then he like shows him the cafeteria, he shows him like um, 
the chasm. Is that what it's called? I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, the chasm. Yeah. He shows him that. He's like, anyway, here's this. You can just fall off, guys, but don't. He's like, in case you're suicidal. I mean, <laughs> trigger warning. Mention of suicide in this book. Um, in case you're suicidal, he's like, here's a great place. No, literally. And I'm like, why? But, like, why? I'm like, yeah. why was this necessary? So then he shows him, like, around the dorms and everything. And everyone is like, girls with boys? I've never seen a booby before. And so, like, everyone is, like, going crazy <laughs> that, like, the dorms are shared. Um, so then they... This is truly the most <laughs> traumatic thing a Christian could write. She was like, let me go look crazy. True. <laughs> a big sleepover. Boys and girls in separate beds but in the same room? What the... <gasps> that is so evil. Anyway, so then they end up in the She's cafeteria. Like, <laughs> so then they end up in the cafeteria. Everyone is like, woo, yes initiates transfers even that is so epic and cool and then they go to eat hamburgers and then christina (laughs) it's just his first time eating a hamburger which i think is great exactly but also like the boring like you could that is such a boring piece of meat a hamburger i wish they like gave her something like rice like like give her like like give her she would simply like die immediately If she had like ratatouille or something, you're right. What what about her? Like, like imagine her... if she had spaghetti, she would just oh, die. That would... It would kill her. She... I wonder what they eat like chicken and broccoli every day. Yeah, just like unseat like salt, like two granules of salt on their chicken. <laughs> That's so sad. Um. Anyway, so they're epitome of white. Literally, <laughs> mayonnaise. That's all they eat: mayonnaise, chicken, and broccoli. She's like, mm, ketchup is spicy. <laughs> um, she probably did think that the first time she had ketchup with her hamburger stop that literally hurts i don't want to think about that so then they end up in the cafe. um they're eating hamburgers tris is like meat that is brown instead of white what the heck so then christine is like it's a hamburger bestie you're crazy with it and so she like shows her how to eat it um and then we like finally get a get a a view and like we get to know all the characters um that have transferred so we get like Christina from Candor, Al from Candor, Peter, um, who's also from Candor, I think, Drew, and Molly. Um, they're all from Candor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Transfers Molly, Molly's from, oh yeah, I guess, I guess they're all from Candor. Molly's a gremlin. True. So then, um, <laughs> They even describe her as, like, ugly with a big nose. <laughs> literally. She really said, yeah. So then, um, we have Will, Edward, Myra, and Edward and Myra are, like, hot on each other like they're they're already horny they jail for dating. them um no literally i feel bad for everyone sharing a room with them no I, uh, so then they're all they're all from erudite um everyone is like first of all they have like a derogatory nickname for abnegation which is stiff and it's because i love it it's, it's so funny it's so funny and she's Can like we call all christians stiff <laughs> so then she's like pissed off about it she's like what the, this is so this is so rude. I can't believe that they're doing so this. This is so rude. Calling me stiff. Wow. Um, and she's like the only abnegation transfer because it's like unheard of. Abnegation always stays in their faction. Also, abnegation never transfers to Dallas. That's that like that is things. true. It's a big and no-no. So every- and they say that, that they mention, sorry, well, real no, you're good, you're good. they mention in the book that the first two transfers from abnegation to Dallas was Tris and this Tobias Eaton yes. kid. Um, and everyone is like pooping on her. Um, and yeah, like, so they're, they're, uh, you like <laughs> they're literally like you don't you're know annoying. what a, you don't know what a hamburger is. That's embarrassing. What a nerd! That's so embarrassing. Um, so then Eric is like, "All right, everyone, shut up. 
and he like explains the first half of training, how it's gonna go, hand to hand combat, weapons and pow, fighting, pow. period. Um, and then he's like, and if you don't, and you're not epic and hot like I am, um, you're gonna get bombed <laughs> and you're gonna go to factionless, which is basically worse than death to them. So everyone is like, if we knew that, we wouldn't have transferred. And he's like, are you guys weenies? Are you weenies? And they were like, no. And <laughs> no, he's like, sir! Yeah, literally. And then, like, everyone is like, no. And he's like, alright, good. Poop, poop. For some reason, I thought this was so attractive that Eric was mean to them at this part. It's Stop. really the toxic I girl. It, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I was like, Eric, please. Um, yeah, so he's like, if you rank in the bottom four, you're gonna get fac- you're gonna be factionless. Um... Which is embarrassing for you, Loki. Um, so then, yeah. So then they basically, he explains how it works. Next stage, Domusborns and Transfers are going to be ranked together. Top 10, in the end, the top 10 of faction lit, or hello. Uh, transfers and Domusborn are going to be, like, the top 10. So if you're not, then you're going to be pooped on and you're going to die. Um, you're going to be factionless again. Yes. It's basically, like, kill or be killed. <laughs> True. So then, um... It's like... Eat a hamburger or stay vegan. <laughs> yeah. So training is like every day, round the clock. Like they're all dying. Um, so then on the first day of training, they learn how to use a gun. Trish isn't tr- Trish. Not me calling her Trish. That's embarrassing. Trish Apatis. <laughs> Trish. Trish is not very good. Um, she she gets goofed on by Will. Will is like, technically you should have hit it by now. She's like, girl, I'm gonna beat you. I love how they added that in the movie. I was like, that's so funny. Will's like, no, I love her. Will so much. No mercy. He value val- <laughs> violates. <laughs> Can I speak? So then, so then she goes to. Like, her, Christina, Al, and Will all go to, like, a tattoo parlor because they're, like, quirky. And they're dotless now. It's what they do. So then they get, like, tattooed. Um, she gets ravens because she's annoying. And they signify no, her. No, she gets three ravens across her collarbone. If I were to ever get a tattoo inspired by a book, it would be the three ravens no, across my collarbone. It's so boring. It's but spiceless. I, it. I don't like it. So then, but it is so good not, Okay, okay, but honestly though, I love how they did um, Four's tattoo. Like, I would totally get that. It's gamer and that epic. That was hot. And looks so cool, and I love it so much. I love how they did it. Excuse my language, but that was hot with a capital H. <laughs> that was hot as H-E double hockey stick. Um, so then... It was very attractive. <laughs> so then, um, they get tattoos. They start fighting. It's kind of quirky. Trish... Not me calling her Trish again. This is embarrassing for me. Trish is ranked in the bottom. She's like, I'm never going to make it here. This is so bad. I'm so embarrassed. I'm never going to make it here. It's not good. Got to be factionless. <laughs> Maybe my parents will take me back. And everyone is like, yo, shut up. We're all passing away here. Um, that's not really... I mean, they like... they. I think that's really sad about her friends. Um, Christina, Albert Will, is that they like the fact that she's weak. Yeah, like, which is like... They enjoy that. They like to pet her, what, which is freak? really offensive to me. No, same. I think it's toxic. Yeah. I think they need to grow up because they don't they don't want to see a woman thrive. Albert doesn't want Christina to pass him. They don't want to see literally, a girl thrive. Literally. So, and I'm like, all these women are girl boss, except for Molly. She's a gremlin. It's she true. can rot an H-E double hockey <laughs> stick. Yeah. <laughs> so, then, so then Christina and Molly are like the first to fight. Molly absolutely poops on Christina. She gets bonked. It's a whole ordeal. Um, like, she she gets wrecked by Molly. It's a little unfortunate, but whatever. Yeah, um, but then she asks to, like, 
quit, right? Like after yeah, a few well, minutes, she's, she's like, like, she's like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, and and like before, um, before they were in there, like when Four and Eric were tra- like were initiates like three years ago. The rules were like, hey, if you concede, like you're good and you can stop, because like it's like we don't want you to get like knocked out. You and just die. take the L, take the L. But like yeah. Eric was like, no. You have to pass away first. If you get knocked out, that's like That's not my yeah, problem. It's not my like, problem. You could whatever. have had you could have asked your mom for a thicker skull when she yeah. birthed you. <laughs> Literally. So then um So then Christina fight Molly, they keep going. Molly's like, yo, I'm gonna end this whole woman's career. Absolutely like <laughs> kicks her, like kicks her into another dimension. Um, punches her in the face. It's like a whole thing. She gets a nosebleed. Christina's like, yo, I'm done. Like, this is not epic. I concede. Like, I'm literally, like, bleeding out She's of like, my I'm schnoz. literally dying. Yeah, literally. I feel like I'm dying. She wasn't even that bad either. Like, she wasn't even, in the movie, she wasn't even that beat up. I'm like, are you, honestly, yeah, though? Yeah. I was like, are you weak? Literally. You weak? So then, so then, um, Eric is like, oh, okay, sure. Everyone take a break. And then he, like, grabs, he grabs Christina, Eric, grabs Christina, and, like, drags her towards the chasm and, like, hangs her over, like, a railing. Where, like, if Wild. she falls, she's gonna die. Like, she'll just hit rocks and get him. She will literally die. Literally. Um, and so she, she's, like, Erica's, like, all right, you gotta hang over here for five minutes. Um, and she's, like, huh? What? And then, like, they stand there and everyone is, like, what the heck? This is so sussy. I don't like this. So then five minutes are up. Still attracted to Eric, by the Stop. way. Stop. That's illegal behavior. Um, <laughs> he's so cute. Um, so then. He has an eyebrow piercing. And that's he's my evil. weakness. He literally is the worst. So then. He's a white and he's hot. I don't I need hate any it. more. He's stinky. So then. Um, I like him. They, they help. Like, they help her get up. It's fine. Like, next day. Then they're in... Because Trish didn't fight in the first day, her and Peter have to fight in the next. Peter's, like, the strongest. Peter's the worst. Peter sucks butt. I hate him so much. He ends <laughs> he up, like... almost made, like, a child rhyme. <laughs> like, Peter is the worst. So then... So then Peter basically, like, rocks Triss. Like, he, like, bonks her so hard on the head. She gets knocked out. Black eye, everything. Like, nasty. I don't want to look at her. That's how gross she looks. Um, she wakes up by, like, her friend. Like, her friends are like, yo, are you good? And she's like, no, obviously <laughs> like, we not. just saw you get rocked. No, literally. And and then they're like, the first thing that they say to her is, you're not going to make it, dumb whore. You idiot. <laughs> they're like, you're in the last... hey, bestie, I know you're struggling, but you're dumb. Literally. <laughs> and they're like, you. you're going to become factionless. Hopefully your parents will take you back. And it's like, yo, you guys are the worst. I hate y'all. It's equivalent. Um, I can't remember the name of the actress, but another Cinderella story. She's like, you're not very pretty and you're not very bright. I'm so glad we had this talk. <laughs> Literally. Um, so then the next day, like, Triss is like, wow, I'm cool. I'm going to die. I want to ha- I hate it here. It's the worst. They go about their day. They take a trip to the fence. Um, everyone is like, yo. I, this is a tall fence. I it's s- kind of, they never tell you what the fence is really for, which leaves the question, what the heck is the fence for? Exactly. Why are you protecting it? Yeah. Are there monsters? Are there poopy peepee men? Yeah. Are there Indians? I mean, excuse me, that was very rude of me. Natives. Yeah. <laughs> who are gonna 
bonkers. Yeah. So then is it gonna be then they're all, like the Green Inferno here? <laughs> so then they're all like hanging out up there. Four is like, hey, this is one of the jobs you can get. Um, if he's like, you I get don't ranked, recommend it, but this is yeah. One of he's the like, jobs this is get. stupid and gross and nasty, and you will probably die of sadness. So he tells him that um, he's like, the Amity Farms are out here. No one else really goes outside the walls except for Amity, and we hate Amity. So poo poo pee pee. So then. Um, Tris is like, yo, this is weird, like, why, like, they're keeping, she sees it as more of, like, them being kept inside than keeping stuff out, which is very accurate. Um, so then they, Robert, who is her neighbor in Abnegation, her old neighbor in Abnegation, sees her and is like, hey, I'm Robert. And she's like, hey. Um, and then they talk and she's like, and Robert's like, yo, abnegation would probably take you back and she's like yo shut up i hate you so then literally no one but i believe in you literally um so then she's like no i'm gonna i'm gonna make it here i'm gonna make it here in darkness i'm gonna i swear i am um (laughs) so then um that happens they go back inside they're chilling um she basically beats myra the next day because they're supposed to be fighting um I don't like how they don't put that in the movie. They make yeah, it seem weak. That's kind of stinky. Like, like this is the this she fights her and she's good, and like they don't show it in the movie. Yeah, and it makes me mad. Same. <laughs> Why am I dabbing? Literally <laughs> hurt me. Somebody end me. I hate Hulu. it. So then, um, Tris beats Myra, who's like obviously weaker than her, and it, it's supposed to like show that Tris is moving up and is like becoming very epic and hot and amazing um then yeah they all, of they, course like, the blonde girl gets prettier <laughs> literally so then they, they all like <laughs> go to bed it's quirky and epic um but then like it's like two in the morning and eric plug walks in and he's like hey hey stinkies it's She's like, I'm gonna sleep because I y'all. No, literally. Y'all never so gonna sleep because of me. <laughs> so then um he plug walks in and is like, hey poopers we're gonna go on a little family road trip so then um they like get on the they like get dressed get on the trains um christina and tris are there and they're chilling together they see like dauntless borns with them too so like yo what is going on um and eric basically starts to explain to them that they're going to be doing capture the flag and which is the best is so, i love so how good. the world is over so and good. that game survived. they're like we're in dystopian like, future but like capture the flag is so fun <laughs> um, they were like the founders are like what do we want them to remember and then the dollar store is like capture the flag no literally Please, couldn't capture it, the flag it couldn't have been like something else anyway so then molly opens her fat mouth and is like you cut like those are so such stupid little guns idiot little poopy stinky guns like the rip to rip to whoever gets hit by that and actually is in pain i'm different um and then eric shoots her and it's really funny uh they're paintballs by the way it's paintballs and in the movie they're like gun simulations i think it's cooler in the movie yeah i think it's way cooler in the movie um because in the movie they're like they're supposed to teach you how to take a bullet but with paintballs i'm like it, i don't know if it's like equivalent i'm not someone who has been shot by paintball and then shot by a real gun i'm no expert on this yeah i'm well, not no, saying because, please because don't shoot me the, the dart sims in the movie uh, actually simulate real gunshots like gun- like actually getting hit with like an actual why am i saying actually a lot that's weird it's supposed to simulate <laughs> actually getting- <laughs> i kind of like it it's supposed to simulate getting hit with 
uh, a real bullet. And so that's why I think it's more cool because they're like little sim darts that absolutely wreck you. And so in the movie, it's we are wh- focusing too much on this. And I love it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to move on because I'm spending too much time on this. So then, um, they take the guns, they grab them. Everyone laughs at Molly. She's the worst. We hate her. Um, Eric is like me and four captains because we're amazing and all so cool. So then um, they're both incredibly hot men. And they're like, <laughs> we will be your captains. So, and I'm like, oh, captain, my captain. No. Um, so then um, Eric is like, four, I'll let you pick first because you're stinky. And then four is like, okay, I'm really incognito mode right now. I'm going to choose the stiff. And everyone is like, he could not be more obvious that he's attracted. No, to her, literally. Though. And everyone is like, yo, that's weird. And then Eric makes a joke that like, Eric's like, oh, you're choosing the weak ones. You could have someone to blame when you would lose. And, and he's like, something for, like that. Or he's like, like, yes. But in reality, I'm just in love with this girl that I met two days ago. Um, I'm literally, I, I'm for it. I'm <laughs> for it. I'm here for it. True. Have so then, children. So then Tris, uh, Christina, and Will end up on Forrest's team. And then we meet Uriah and Marlene, who are also initiates, but they're Dauntless Born initiates. Um they're kind of quirky. I love Uriah. His character is epic. Um, so then they were I like, name my child Uriah. I love say, that. Me too. So then four is like, hey, y'all need to come up with Not a Not to game. mention it's a biblical name. Ooh, that's true. An angel. The best friend. The best friend. No, is, is it an angel? Yeah, Uriah is an angel. You sure? I'm pretty sure. And I will Google yeah, Continue go- and I'm going to Google, Google it. it. Google it. Google it. I'm pretty sure it's an angel. Um, an archangel, I think. Um, so then... Um, four is like, hey, yo, like, y'all need to come up with a strategy. I'm just here to, like, be your, like, coach y'all on stuff. Um, you guys have to come up with a strategy and game plan. So then Uriah... Aha! Really quick. Hmm. Uriah is a Hittite, minor character, best friend of David, and husband of Bathsheba. That's sus. I thought, I thought that there was an angel, an archangel named Uriah. I do not know. It means my light as is Jehovah the name. Oh, it's so, Uriel I was thinking of. Huh? Oh, you know what? I can see why you. Yeah, thought yeah, that. yeah. Why are we focused? I on don't this? know. I don't know. <laughs> so then, so then, Marlene and Uriah are like pooping on each other. They're like ready to fight. They're like, "Yo, no, your plan is stupid and ugly, and I hate it." And so Triss is like, "I'm a quirky girl." So she climbs to the Ferris wheel that's nearby, um, and. Climbs all the way to the top. And Four notices this. He goes and is like, Triss, what are you doing? Ha ha. And then she's like... Four is the damsel in distress. <laughs> no, in literally. Um, so then she climbs. She's like, yo, I'm climbing it to see if we can find um, where they put the flag. Because it's like really high up. Like it's a big old Ferris wheel. And Four is like, you are so smart and amazing and I want to marry you. Um, and so then they, they climb up. I don't remember that scene. <laughs> so then they climb up, and Four is, like, a little quirky. He's a little nervous and scared. He's scared of heights. Yeah, and Triss, Triss is like, yo, what's going on? Like, why are you so weird? Like, you're epic and cool. What's going on? And he's like, that's a, it's high up. And she's like, you're so right. And so then we find out he's afraid of heights, um, she figures out, like, she climbs up high enough to find out where uh, their flag is. They climb down. She then notices that, like, some of the team has taken off and, like, gone wherever. I don't remember. Um, 
I guess I, guess, I think it's the other the other team that like leaves. Um, so then her and four plan a way for them to um, half of them attack the like people on the ground, and then three of um, them to sneak off and capture the flag. Three of them go to sneak off and capture the flag, and her and Christina um, will grab the flag, like, go into the clock tower where it is and grab the flag. Um, so... Christina does take it from her, though. She yeah, which the is, glory which is like, why. the worst. So her... So basically... It was the least best thing you could possibly do. No, literally. She's the worst. She apologizes for it later, but it still, like, annoys me. So then um, they go and get the flag and it's all Gucci and like everyone is like ah you're so cool and amazing and awesome um still annoyed at Christina though because like they're the worst so that's that's where that is I think we're gonna stop here and do a part two to this because there's a lot more and we go off on a lot of tangents and could not cover it all so all right, yeah, guys. Yeah. So we're going to end this first part here. Come back to hear the rest of how Divergent ends. The part that we are ending on is the end of Capture the Flag. So we will be picking up right after there. We still have got a lot to go. I feel like we could fit... It's... Yeah, we can't fit it in the time that we want to. We're planning on setting the episodes to being 45 minutes, and we're already at 57 minutes. So... Yeah, so we're going to release the episode soon, though. It's not going to be like, we're not going to make you guys wait too long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, come back for episode three, technically, and Sounds part two good. of Divergent. So we'll see you guys there. Bye. Bye.